Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hatchback Heroes. Um, today we're with a crew friend of mine named Joe. How are you today? I'm very good, Nick. Thank you for coming. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, where are you from? What do you do? I'm from the smallest town in in the capital of the Philippines, Manila. Yeah. In a town called Bateros. Bateros. Yes. Okay. And I moved here into being a cabin crew for for 12 years now. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. And in my eyes, you're a track hero. What are you doing? For over the past five years, I've been engaged with water and sanitation works outside mm -hmm. the country, which is Dubai. I traveled to, to indigenous communities, and I started that from my hometown. And since then, I've been advocating for water and sanitation education to elementary school children. Okay. And do you have a name for your... I would like to think that I am on my way in trying to build something for this whole project. But yeah. in line with water education and most especially in the focus of WASH, which is water, sanitation, and hygiene, I would like to continue this work in terms of penetrating a lot of elementary school. Mm, so okay. I, I wouldn't say that I have a specific organization, but I engage and collaborate with a lot of other organizations, maybe into the art, the culture, mm. photography even. So mm. these are some of the things that I think I'm very proud of yeah, in cool. terms of working with other sectors and, and movers. Yeah. yeah. And so you started how long ago, was it, specifically? About five or six years five ago. Five or six. Yeah. And how did it actually sort of, why water? How did it come about? What was the, the drive to head that direction? I, I think that our lives as flight attendants, we see polarizing realities in the world where from one day we are in in a beautiful country mm. and we can see a lot of um, beautiful things in, in a way where everything is comfortable. And then when we go traveling for our vacation to a hectic place where it's uncomfortable to get your clean water or or, or the things that you see, the people that you see are, are not necessarily... I wouldn't say cleaner, or when you're having a difficulty accessing either food, water, or basic toilet, these are the things that you you compare yeah. over your traveling years. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I, I always believe that the travel was the the most inspiring thing that we have ever we have ever shared as as cabin crew. Yeah. Because it sparked the idea that there has there's got to be more to this traveling life. Yeah. And of course, when you reach a point where now it's been over a decade that we've been traveling, you know that I know a specific country where these are the certain problems that they face. And when I go to another country, why is it that you open the tap water and you can drink the tap water? So yeah. those small mindfulness journey that I have illuminated my my drive to learn about 
what is going on in the world in terms of this lens, which is water. Yeah. So I think it was mostly my backpacking trips to coastal towns and, yeah. and, and really remote countries. And of course, when you go to the city, it's a very different life. But I think Nick will share the same crisis all over the world. And, yeah. and I would like to, I would like to take a look and, and be part of the solution. So for me, water, I mean, obviously it's, it's drinking, it's health, mm-hmm. it's cleaning, it's, it's the beach, it's swimming. That, I guess, for a lot of people in the Western world or in developed countries, that is more of what it's all about. How did you sort of go from maybe having this and then seeing what you did mm-hmm. see on these, these travels to educating yourself and becoming aware of the intricacies of water and how you can work with it? I was more interested to focus on the remotest communities because I, in, in my travel, no, not in my travel life, but when I started to learn about water, and the importance of sanitation in a community in my travels, I thought that they say on the point of the sustainable developmental goals, which is goal number six, ensuring clean water and sanitation for all, it highlights that you have to focus on the most vulnerable communities or you have to put forward the people who need most attention. And, and I saw that when I go to remote towns where there's no electricity and, and there's no water. There is water, but water as, as a very not reliable resource in it's terms not being of... not utilized the right way. Yeah, like it's not, um, it's not clean and it's threatened and they have to drink it, they have to bathe with it. And I have to immerse myself with that. So like what you said earlier on... We see water and our relationship with water when we're in the city as a clean resource that we just drink and we flush the toilet with clean water. The beach is right here and it's leisure. But when you go to those kind of communities, you feel that there's a disparity. And, mm. and, and I wanted to know, I wanted to know why they're living in this time, in this place with that situation and at the same time I wanted to I wanted to impart solutions but that's of course like the first part of it to be aware on how they live and how they treat water as like a resource that is so precious compared to what we do in the city I think that was the turning point where I thought I wanted to I wanted to get to know more and be part of that 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 engagement. So my answer is I have to be there and then immerse myself in, in right, that, yeah. in that community. Involved, yeah. Yeah. So all my vacation days, I get to spend in remote communities. In the terms of actually becoming a professional in this sort of water environment, mm-hmm. was there something you had to go and do and sort of prepare yourself with? Or? For sure. So in the beginning where I'm, I, I'm having this, um, I would say like it, it's itching, like like I, I always see every city I look at it with a lens perspective of water so for example you go to one place and then you see yeah like we were talking about earlier the abundance of water in one city but when you go to other countries why are they drinking this particular 
color of water, which for me is already injustice, but why do they have to live here? So in, in my quest of learning about this topic while I'm in the aviation industry, I research conferences and, and online learnings, books, journals mm. about this topic. Yeah. Just basically learning about what is our human relationship with water? Is it only, is it only drinking water or water to, to wash ourselves or water because we, we wanted to, to swim in the beach? I wanted to learn more about the impacts of lack of water and the excess of water in a city. It was just this thirst of understanding what is this relationship with water and, and why is it so important for me to tell their story. Mm. So from, from then on, I attended a few major conferences and I would like to always highlight the the Sweden International Water Institute, the CWE, um, based in Stockholm, and they always hold the, the World Water Week. And this year, in 2020, it's done at home because it's online. But every year, it's a gathering of maybe about 4,000 water professionals from different parts of the world, different engagements, and, and, different, and different courses. Like one is from wastewater, one is a charity organization, they are educators, they are movers, they are artists. So I found a space for me to actually grow as a water professional. And from then on, I was meeting people who are movers and, and, and actors in the water sector. So I would have to give it to my engagements in the World Water Week mm -hmm. in, in Stockholm. So yeah, cool. that was the first stage. Amazing. Now, being crew, working as crew, and then trying to divide your time outside of that, how did you manage to, to do it all? I think, Nick, as crew, we have the freedom to always manage our time. And I think we are, as flight attendants and crew, we're, we're very good with that. I know that we have jet lags and mm. we have crazy time zones. But if you know... Why? Why are you doing this? What is the why of, of, of this endeavor? And, and you know for a fact that at some point in our traveling years, there will be a time that we will clip our wings and, and say, I've done my, my traveling part and I, you know, the aircraft will not be our home forever. So what would be your life purpose after this? Mm. And, and, and I think that our job as flight attendant enabled me to see that what's beyond me being a crew and and it's so interesting to see when you meet another fellow flight attendant that is doing the same thing but in a different journey yeah. so I know for a fact that you need to know your why why are you doing this and who are you doing it for and that was my that was my guiding light your in terms focus, of, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of those jet lags, all of those trips that I said I wanted to go attend to this seminar, I, I just have to make time. I have to make time, yeah. book my vacation, all my vacations for the year already set for engagement, conferences, and, and, and maybe some courses that I attend everywhere around mm. the world. So yeah. all for water learning and education. Yeah. And this amazing drive to just sort of yeah. go and do it, yeah. and make sure you do it. 
and you achieve, have to know your why. Why are you doing this? It's yeah. not for you. It's for for others. So yeah. it's just this whole giving back. I think. Now, is there some kind of criteria for the people that you focus upon, or you're from the Philippines? You have obviously a, a natural draw mm-hmm. um, for doing things for them. Is there like a specific focus on a certain community, mm-hmm. or how does it work? I started with uh, again when when I mentioned earlier on on trying to set the whole idea that who are the people who needs it most. And I saw that on my remote travel to communities, they are the forgotten ones I've, I've seen in, in my trips are usually indigenous tribes mm. because they don't have access to the mainland. Or if they do, it's, it's very limited. Lack of education. And, and they even lose their cultural aspect because maybe no one cares because most of them are forgotten and then they have their own little corner in in the jungle and in the remote towns but but i know that with with an open dialogue with local government units and in the education sector and and people around the community i i think there's an opportunity to to really launch projects that can can help them with the needs that they have so the criteria for me and the the most that i am drawn to are inclined to education sector in in terms of i go to elementary schools Mm. and i find it that with young children it's a soft entry where you don't come across as don't tell us what to do don't tell us what to do and and we have our own ways of living. We've always drank this dirty water. It's okay. We we have diarrhea once in a while. But but with education and you talk to the teachers and the kids who go to that school, when when you introduce health education, you're not intrusive of their indigenous ways. Like mm. you're just inspiring them not to change but to see things in a different light. And maybe they'll absorb the information much more readily than someone that's yeah, absolutely. More in, ingrained into their prior thought. Yes, there there were moments in my travel where they were telling me that the children are even teaching the parents, Mom, you have to wash your hands because you just touched the animals in the farm or you were just outside and were about to have a meal. So for me, I think those small things are changes, big, massive yeah. changes into behavioral change because after all hygiene education is behavioral change we have to practice these small things like hand washing which is so relevant in in our Mm. time today and and for me that's the most effective thing why is it that they've not had this kind of education in the past like why is it such a new thing the remoteness of their village and and maybe I wouldn't say lack of education, but because education comes in different form, but lack of the exposure to mm. the real world or the city life. But but now because they're opening their villages to to people from the city, so they, they don't have that they don't have that knowledge or innate knowledge that menstruation is a normal thing in. In, in, a, in a young girl's body. So they have their own indigenous ways, but we're, we're penetrating it in a way where 
there are hygienic ways and we can guide them to a better health mm. and we cannot talk about health if we don't talk about water so this is the part where i work hand in hand with teachers educators okay. yeah and even sanitation workers in, in trying to educate them and inspire them yeah. a little bit and in regards to that are there any initiatives that specific initiatives that you're undertaking at all so last year i collaborated with a startup from New York called Sopen and these two young engineers they develop a soap that is like a pen so it's a pen and a soap at the same time and they actually build this design for children to to be engaged in hand washing hand washing should be fun for children because it's such a motor skill for us that they just wash their hands quickly, wet their hands, and soap their hands a little bit. Mm. But they wanted to inspire the children to be more creative, draw things on their hands. And and during the inception of their product, I approached them and I told them, I would like to be part of this project. And maybe when you finish your, 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 your product, I can bring this to the community. And I wanted to share this with the children. And of course, it's such a great collaboration that I'm a community worker and I'm I'm traveling as well because of my nature as a flight attendant and they're and they're the industrial engineers Amanat and Shubham those are their names and and yeah they imparted and shared with me their product and I brought to the community and it was such a great welcome it was such a success and mm. and they keep the soaps and and their hand washing facilities it's it's readily available there and we're talking about cool four to seven-year-old children yeah, and all yeah. they wanted to do is is write and draw and when it comes to hand washing it's it's kind of like a marriage of two important things drawing yeah, cool. and art plus soap Clean, yeah. cleaning cleaning your hands so yeah. so that was a, a very a very monumental success for for our project last year and this project is based specifically in which community um, in the in indigenous community of Kanibong in the south of the Philippines in Mindanao. In Mindanao, okay. I brought the, the soap pens there. Yeah, so. okay. Is there a reason you went down there specifically? I went there because I was in partner with Art Dubai, who isn't, they are an art organization in the UAE, and my partner, Leo Barameda, and I were, were teaming up since a long time ago in terms of education, he is in charge of education, trying to secure the children's education, uh, resources for knowledge, school uniforms, pens, paper, teachers' welfare. And he, he invited me to come into the project for the health mm. purpose, which is imparting hand washing, imparting integrated resource management, where how do you... How do you look after your your water resource given that is so limited so the awareness campaign plus education i think as as i've mentioned earlier it's a soft entry yeah. to to imparting change so this has been very successful and and after four years the the water flows in the community through a water project do you have people there that are taking a key role in making sure these communities are looked after like specific people you've, you've handpicked them or they're already they're doing things? Yes, absolutely. The, well, monitoring a project is as powerful as planning the project. And 
that's why I always mention and I'm always in gratitude of the teachers, the school teachers, because they are there every day. And the power of technology, taking photos, reporting to us, this is what happened. And look at the progress. Now everyone has faucets near their house, taking photos, documenting. And, and I owe it to them. So mm. because they're the ones in charge of the monitoring and the implementation of the project while we are not in the community because basically we're visiting there. And, and of course, we have our own lives as crew and, and other people as well who are part of the project. So I, I would have to give it to the school teachers and the local government units because... Even if we build and plan amazing projects, we wanted to do this, but the government is not supportive of it or mm. will not give you permits to, to even start a project, it will not be relevant. So okay. I think I would have to mention those two, two uh, bodies of people. Yeah. On that, when you mentioned governments, did you find that it was hard to get through the permits at all? Or I wouldn't say it's difficult to get permits or or um, clearances for that matter but I would have to mention more of the reception of of someone is trying to impart change because it, it's it's difficult when someone wants you to change or or is telling you that things can be improved and I think it's just a psychological block of everyone Thing for that matter is receptive to change i don't want it to change because i don't know what's going to happen when when i change so it's more of what is in it for me what will benefit me and if they don't see that they will not give you their full support but yeah. with again with the right planning with the right collaborators you get to make them understand that we're here because we want things to be better and i think I think we should look at things like that. We, mm. we can improve every day. Yeah, 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 for sure. For the listeners, can you give some kind of a, a visual representation of how the, the children especially were hygienically before you came in with all this water advocacy? The first thing that I realized when I came into the community was the whole idea that they have to walk so far away just to get clean water. Yeah. Actually, it's not even a clean water. It's a muddy water where they use it as, as drinking water and to attend to their chores at home, to wash dishes and to wash themselves. So I, I think um, that was the first thing that I saw. And I thought that I wanted to highlight that. And I made a documentary trying to expose the reality of this indigenous tribe in the south of the Philippines. So that gave me that gave me some leverage to show people who are interested that this reality happens in this part of the world. Mm. So through photography, art and videography, this is what I this is what I saw and I wanted to tell them this story. So that's their that's their way to get their clean water. Second was no one really knows the technical hand washing in terms of using soap as removal of the germs that we have in our hands because they don't know that concept of germs or, yeah, yeah. or 20 second hand washing. Like They don't know that. All they know is that they wash their hands with water, even if it's a dirty water, 
And at the same time, I feel that I drink this water for my entire life. So I get sick sometimes, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. But it has it has not changed since then. Like it, we shouldn't have this narrative in this time because there are ways to to better your health. Yeah. You, you don't know that that amoebiasis, that regular amoebiasis and diarrhea is okay. It's not okay. So that was the current situation of those communities. And I found out about these data from the sanitation workers who were mm. working there, the school teachers. And they told us that there are some organizations who have tried to also incorporate the issue of health and sanitation in their community. But it's always like a band-aid strategy where yeah. they just give them some tabs to purify the water, but the water is already threatened. You cannot drink that water, but they do. Okay, just put this pills and it's going to, to, to purify the water, which it doesn't work that way. Yes. Mm. So there's more to hygiene and there's more to water in the sense because there's a gender aspect. Why are the children getting it from a threatened supplies and walk three kilometer and the young young girls are getting it because the other boys have to work in the fields with the with the mom and dad. So there's another aspect of again the disparity of the disparity of maybe he is a vulnerable child or or a person with disability. How did how do they get their clean water? And 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 why is he not in school? Because he's not clean, like doesn't have that ability to get water every day and wash his hands and, and himself and go to go to school so these are the observations that I have yeah. and I actually place it in a documentary for me to encapsulate and show people that this situation exists so these these children were they're going to school unclean like they're going without a shower yeah. no no dirty slippers. Hair, that kind of thing yeah no slippers, dirty, dirty clothes as well dirty, dirty clothes yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so now they're getting this education, they're able to, well, mm -hmm. non-COVID times, they were able to go to mm -hmm. school with a complete different With full look. uniform, with yeah. shoes, with with a hand-washing facility that yeah. we were able to build for them, with a flowing clean water. I, I think this is the start. This is the start of a really good educational, effective system, yeah. even in, in, a, in, a small, in a small community. Yeah. Because I believe that the heart of the community runs through water. If there's water in the community or any anything for that matter, the city, like we're always drawn to water resource. That's why we love the ocean. We, we want it to be close to the ocean. There's this energy that there's life when there's water in the community. That's it. So this is the universal truth that I live and, and I wanted to share that knowledge to to people so th they can engage with environmental conversation too mm. doesn't only mean to say that you can focus on water you can explore with climate you can explore with plastic pollution so that's the challenge i wanted to impose on on first of all my fellow flight attendant friends that we are we are a group of people who are diverse and intelligent and and never one-dimensional. Mm. So I I highly admire and I see those people who are also like me, flying and at the same time giving and, and doing things for others, for their community. And 
And that alone is a very big inspiration. Did you find the other crew were receptive to what you're doing? They were interested, intrigued. Was that like a what sort? What was the reaction? Ironically, no. Like they're they're so interested to learn. First of all, how I manage with the jet lag and、mm. with with flights and and going to different time zones. But but remember, we all have twenty four hours. Yeah. We all have twenty four hours, and and again, you know, the base of your the base of your Your drive should be: Why are you doing this, and what would you like to see? So I answered those questions in a in a way where I wanted to see children going to school with clean water, and I know that I don't have my own children, but I find it that with one child at school, it's one less injustice for me. So I I thought through water and water education education. Education in terms of not only people washing their hands or whatsoever, but preserving this resource that we have、mm. through environmental campaigns and and telling the teachers we should incorporate environment, health, and learning into our curriculum. It is already halfway done. Like your your project is already halfway done when they when they have that acceptance. So. The crew who are asking me, "What am I doing?" They they suddenly light up and they say, "Wow, I can maybe do something too." You know,、hmm. I've done this with with pets. I've done this with elderly people. And for me, I always love this engagement. And 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 most of the time is it's ha- it's happening in the galley. So yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a、yeah. galley talk. Like, what do you、yeah. do? You know, this is yeah, what you course, share with them、course. in the galley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Joe. We'll finish off this part of the conversation there with this positive crew vibe, but we'll be continuing off from here in the next episode.、Uh, we hope to have you all back to hear more about the amazing thing Joe has accomplished over there in the Philippines. See you soon.